Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. So we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And we've been talking about going through Galatians, right, and dealing with the idea of, oh yeah, I'm sorry, Children's Church, go get them. They didn't want to listen to me anyway. They're going to have a lot more fun. Okay, so we've been talking through Galatians. And Galatians, remember how Galatians started out, right? Galatians started out with, hey, uh, I'm amazed that you're walking away from this gospel that I first preached to you, right? He doesn't pull any punches. Remember what we said about Paul. Paul is not a counselor. You don't go to Paul for long-term counseling, right? Because Paul is going to give you exactly what it needs to do, and you need to change, and you need to get it done. That's what you see through his letters. And that's good. Sometimes we need that, right? But sometimes we need people to help us longer <laughs> through the process of getting to who we're supposed to be. That's ah, not Paul. Um, uh, Paul's going to tell you exactly the way it is. So the letters that he's writing to the Galatians are simply this. I'm amazed that you're walking away from what I preached to you. Who has bewitched you? Who, is, who has lied to you? Why are you going down this road? There's, there's really no black and white with Paul. There's just truth and lie a lot of the times. And we need that. We need that in our lives because sometimes we spend so much time in shades of gray that we forget that there's black and white as well. Okay? And when it comes to who Jesus is, it is black and white. And the gospel, which is, is the good news, it is, it, is not, it, it is black and white. There's no shades of gray in the gospel. He either is who he says he is, or he's the craziest man that ever walked on the earth. There's no, he, well, he was just a great prophet. There's no, he was just a guru. Because you can't, you, the reason you can't do that is because he made specific claims about who he was. You have anybody from another church who comes up to you and says that Jesus never really said he was uh, God. That's bogus. They're like the Galatians. They're changing the good news to, so that it'll be cultural, not biblical Christianity. So you don't believe that. You can walk away from that stuff. You don't have to be nice to lies. I'm not telling you to, to stone people. I'm just saying you don't need to allow a lie to settle into your heart. So when you got people that are coming up to you and trying to tell you that stuff, if you're full of truth, you can refute that. But if you're, you're still on the disciple of road, stay away from those people because they're speaking lies into your life. And there's churches and congregations out there that believe lies. And I'm telling you today, there are major denominations that have drifted over into shades of gray and not the truth of who Jesus is. It's sad, but that's just the way it is. These are the times that we're going in. We don't need to be surprised that, it's, that this is going to happen. You may be surprised that it's happening in your lifetime, but it's happening, okay? And I'm not saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I'm not prophesying that. I'm just saying the world shifted. This is where we're at. Our Christianity and our faith is being put to the test. It's kind of like the, the, the sifting of Peter, you know? And so that's just what we're in. And so we need to settle it with ourselves. And then we need to know how to love one another in the midst of all this, right? The church no longer is going to have time to play these petty games that it used to play when it didn't face persecution. Like, I don't like Curtis. He's bald. Right? I don't, I don't think bald guys are supposed to be in the congregation. Right? We don't have times for petty, silly, stupid arguments like that. It's okay. I was just kidding. You can sit. All right. You got a beard, so that makes it okay. <laughs> so, um, so, in the, in, and we play these, these stupid games of, of, well, they didn't say hi to me when they walked into the church today, and I'm just, I'm offended. You can offend yourself all the way to hell, people. Because that, that has no business. If you're offended because someone did not say hi to you, then you have placed that person on the throne of your heart, and that's who you worship. 
And, there are, and if you place anybody else on the throne of your heart that's not Jesus, they're going to let you down. Okay? So we don't have time to be offended anymore about silly, stupid stuff. It's time, it's time to sit at the grown-up table when it comes to the things of Christ. It's time to let go of the silly things that we never should have held on to in the first place, but we grabbed on because they're kind of a cult. We, we, we thought we were more mature than we really were. All that. It's time to grow up. It's time to stop talking behind people's backs. It's time to start throwing darts, and it's time to start linking arms because you're going into battle with, with somebody. Right? When, when a soldier goes to battle, and if I make a mistake, you can correct me. Uh, when a soldier goes to battle, he checks his gear. He doesn't check his gear in the middle of the fight. He's going to make sure his rifle is clean and his rifle is going to fire. He's going to make sure everything in his backpack or everything on his body is fully ready to go. He does not want to go into battle with an unchecked rifle or unchecked gear making sure that everything is, is working together. He is also not wanting to go into battle with people that he cannot trust that will stay in the fight with him. That's no bueno. No good, right? You need to know that who you're in the trenches with is going to stay there with you. It's, it's going to be battling for you or having your back or this, that, and the other. The time to figure that stuff out is not when you're in the battle. The time to, to figure that stuff out is, was yesterday. And if you're behind, then it's time to start preparing yourself, okay? So you got to get a fence. you got to get all that junk, that stuff of the flesh out. You've got to ask the Lord to really start purifying the inner man, developing the inner man, bringing patience and, and perseverance and all that kind of stuff because you're going to need this stuff. It's fruit that people will see, but it's also a strategy and a life of how you're supposed to be living now. So when the guy cuts me off and I, wanna, and I really want to give him the number one, right, because he was a jerk. See, that's not patience. That's my flesh. And so yeah, and, <clears throat> we took my dad out to, uh, I say Long John Silver's, but it wasn't Long John Silver's. What was it? What's that? Red Lobster, yeah. We took my dad out to Red Lobster for his birthday. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm driving down in the Quad Cities and I come off 80... Now, 74 from the bridge, and I go off 53rd a different way, and I'm coming around, and I'll, I didn't realize that there's this place in the middle of the road that somebody comes off that you should leave a space for so they can go through, right? So I'm, I pull up, right, and I'm blocking that space, right? And this guy's just like, and I'm just watching him. Like, why? What is his problem? Like, okay. I just... Looked at him for a little bit and looked straight, and, uh, and then finally he pulls out, drives around me, and I didn't see it, but my kids were like, um, he just flipped us off. It's like, why did he flip us off? Because he thinks you're the number one children in the world. That's the best I can give you, right? I have nothing else to give you but that. Uh, I said, no. I said, you know, sometimes people get impatient, they're angry, stuff like that, and so they express themselves in ways that they shouldn't, but that's the way it was. And so I, I use that as an, but I can get in that fleshy way myself. When things aren't going my way, the right way, when I want them to happen, it's very easy to drift over in the flesh. If I were that guy trying to get through and that somebody who was supposed to let me through didn't let me through during a somewhat of a rush hour of the Quad Cities, which, you know, it's a baby rush hour, but, <clears throat> you know, I, I, it could, I'm tempted in those ways, right? And so my temptation, uh, what I do displays the type of fruit I produce. I will either produce fruits of flesh or I will produce fruits of righteousness. 
okay? And so as, I'm, as, as that guy produced some fruit of unrighteousness, and I don't think it was just the finger. I think there were some, if I could read lips correctly, I'm pretty sure there was some other unrighteous fruit coming from his mouth as well. <clears throat> but I just say, that's one time the kids were with me, and you get it right, and you're like, no, just bless him. You know, made a mistake. Maybe I, you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But bless him, Lord, and so on and so forth. But what, <coughs> excuse me, I think those things are, are choices. I have a choice of how I'm going to react to what somebody does, okay? And that choice then determines the type of fruit I produce. Now, if I'm connected to the vine, I will produce good fruit. If I'm not connected to the vine, I won't produce good fruit, but I decide what vine I'm connected to. I decide. And listen, um, there are some scary scriptures in the Bible that we'll read here in just a little bit. One of the scary scriptures, I'll just give you this, I'll just give you a foretaste, is that you will be held accountable by everything that comes out of your mouth. You will be held accountable from the motivations of your heart, which means I may have acted good, but I didn't believe good. He's like, you can't even hide that stuff. It's like when you get to not the great white throne judgment where sinners go, but when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, which determines your um, rewards as you pass through heaven, you're going to be, all of that stuff is going to be required from you. And I'm like, ooh, they're going to be there a long time with me, <laughs> right? Like this is, this may not be good. I should be better down the road. I'm going to have a lot to answer for. And sometimes immediately you go into your, your works mentality and I better do a whole lot of good stuff to cover the bad stuff. It doesn't work that way. It's not about how hard I work, it's how much I surrender. Because I can work hard, but not surrender. Okay? Are you following me? That's your discipleship point. You can work hard, but not surrender, and that doesn't count. You need to surrender to the Lord. Because that's the connection to the vine, so that you'll produce the fruit. All right, so we're talking about fruit. We're talking about in Galatians chapter 5. But you know that that's not the only place that fruit is talked about. So if you go to Matthew chapter 3, we have this little guy called John the Baptist, right? I say little guy. He could have been tall. I don't know. I wasn't there. But he was wearing a camel hair, right? And he was eating wild locusts and honey. I doubt I would have hung out with him. But He's there. He's called by God. He's a prophet. He's saying these things. He's doing these things. And, you know, he's baptizing people into repentance, right? So he's baptized them. And all of a sudden, here come the Pharisees. Here come the religious people of the day, right? And so here, you know who they are. We still have them today. We, they're legalists, and you need to follow the law, or you're blah, 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 all that. So they're coming because they're wanting to find out just what exactly is going on here. Who's, who's baptizing? Why are you baptizing? Who do you think you are type of stuff? Figure some. They've probably been sent out by the leaders to, to investigate because there's a lot of people coming to them, right? So on their way out there, John the Baptist sees them and says, Hey, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Now, if you're trying to, uh, you know, win people and influence people, that's probably not the statement you want to make. If you want to get these guys on your side, you're like, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. Have a seat. Feel comfortable. I'll give you the softest rock around that we have. We want to really make you feel comfortable. All these different kinds of things. We won't say any words that deal with sin. We want you to be happy. That's not John the Baptist. John is going to look at these guys and say, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? 
It's like, listen, your attitude and the way you treated people has destined you to a place that you're not going to like when you get there. Because the wrath of God is leading to the great white throne judgment that he pours out on people, right? And so as he's, he's looking at the, who warned you to come this fleeing wrath, he goes, therefore, if you're here, then, then do the works or do fruit that is in accordance with repentance, right? Look how he says it. Um, then produce fruit consistent with repentance and don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Okay, so let me explain that real quick because it may not, you know, if, 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 you're not a, if you're not a Jew and if you have not gone through the studies of Judaism, you may not really get how important that statement really is. Okay, because for a Jew, Abraham is their father. He's the father of their faith. It's the very beginning, right? And so they are sons of Abraham, which means that uh, physically, DNA-wise, they're connected to their father, Abraham. And so that's very important and it's very strong. These religious people, they're religious, but they're not relational, would say, hey, man, we're a son of Abraham. We're in. And what John the Baptist is, is, is preaching before Paul gets to it a few years down the road is that, hey, listen, don't even say to yourself that you're sons of Abraham. Because I'm telling you now, the new thing that God is doing is he's saying the axe to the root to that type of garbage. Because you say you're sons of Abraham, and Jesus is going to have this argument with the Pharisees later down the road. He says, hey, you say your father's Abraham. You say, you know, but let me tell you something. If it really were, then you'd know who I was. Because before Abraham was, I am. And that really ticked them off. Why? Because the I am that he used is the say I am I am that God used in the burning bush to decide, tell Moses who he was. And so they knew at that point that he was calling himself God, which is why they picked up stones to stone him. Right? And so he's, they're like, hey, don't even, don't even get on that trail of before Abraham was or that you are sons of Abraham. Don't even do that stuff because it don't matter anymore. Now when we read in Galatians, what Paul is picking up there, he's like, listen. And he would say it in Romans too, Romans <clears throat> chapter 9, where he says, they are not all of Israel that are of Israel. What he's saying is that there are people who are genetically Jews, but they're not spiritually connected to the truth of everything. And so that doesn't get them in. And, and he goes on to explain in Galatians that, listen, it is not the physical sons of Abraham, it is the spiritual sons who access this through faith. And the difference is, is that there are people who are trying to access it through law. If I do things good enough, he'll be happy with me. If I do, 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 he's got, he has to be happy with me. But what Paul is saying, it is not about what you do, 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 it is what he did. And your access as a son of, of God. Now listen, you are children of God. We don't say it this way, but that makes you sons and daughters. Like Jesus is the son of God. When you come into uh, uh, the, the relationship with God through Christ, he becomes your brother. You're related <laughs> spiritually. Let me tell you, when I ever got in a scrap, I was always happy for someone who was like an older brother in the middle of that scrap, right? When you're kids and all of a sudden it's two against one and all of a sudden you got somebody who's bigger than both of them coming to back you up. Didn't that always feel good? I always feel great when you had, you had a partner that was going to come and bail you out, even if it was your fault. But tell you, you can't get a better older brother than Jesus. Because he not only has your back, he's placed himself in you. 
So Galatians is going through and is talking about all these things of, of listen, it's not, it's, it's not about the sons of Abraham through genetics anymore. It's about sons and daughters of Abraham through faith in who Christ is. Now, that is hard for people to grasp. It's hard for people to hold on to. It's hard for people to, because we want to do, do, do. But he already did, did, did. And so the only thing you do after what he did is surrender. And then you'll go do stuff, but you won't do stuff from a position of trying to earn his grace. You'll do stuff from a position of having received his grace. Anything else is do-do. Okay? All right. So he's laying the axe to the root, to the trees. He's tearing down all that stuff. He's like, uh, to the people, he's like, I'm going to baptize you in water for repentance, but there's one who is coming who's going to baptize you with fire. That gets me excited. Right? Because you go down in repentance. I'm sorry for what I've done. And repentance is, is I, I don't think repentance is necessarily a one-time thing. I mean, there, there is a time when people come to the altar and they surrender themselves to the Lord, and that's an altar moment. Like they build altars in the Old Testament when something awesome would happen and there'd be an altar of a, of a reminder of what happened. The altar moments we have in the New Testament are those altar moments of when we've surrendered ourselves to Christ. And we always have that time where we look back and say, there, it, you know, August 25th of 1997 is when I gave my heart to the Lord. You were with, you were with us, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 848 feet pin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we didn't know each other, but we both went down, Big Jim and I. See, Big Jim's the kind of brother I want in my corner, right? Okay, I don't know if you know that. Say hi, Jim. Yeah, look at those hands. You want him on your side, people. You want him on your side. Okay, so we went down at the same time. I, I know when I, I surrendered myself to the Lord. That didn't mean that I was, you know, totally mature yet. That means that was the beginning of my faith walk where I surrendered finally, right? So there was a moment there, but it doesn't stay there. Because I'm walking repentance out through my, through my life. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not resurrecting the old guy. I'm, my lifestyle repentance is in gratitude to the altar moment that I had. God, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And Lord, for my attitudes of times, you know, even though uh, my, my bad attitudes don't get me out of your grace, but sometimes they get me out of alignment to receive your grace, Father. You know, I'm, I'm asking God for forgiveness you know, throughout my entire life for things that come out of my mouth that, that shouldn't or things that I do that I shouldn't, right? So repentance is not just a one-time thing. The altar moment is something that you carry with you through your faith walk. And it's because that that altar moment was so real to you that it's never going to escape you, right? And Jesus is so real to you that you, you don't want to turn your back on him. I'm not talking about you're going to be perfect. That's not till you go to heaven. But you're going to have this this, this understanding of, of his perfection, and you want to live up, it, live up to it to the best way you can, even knowing you're going to make mistakes. All right, but he's going to baptize you with fire, right? That fire is the Holy Spirit. People get a little weird when you start talking about the fire of the Holy Spirit because all oh, them crazy charismatics, guess what? You come to the church, you're charismatic. We are. Um, if you didn't know that, for those of you who've been around for a long time, just reminding, all right, we're charismatic church, right? So what that means is, now, you know, we may not roll down the aisles like some churches do or swing from the rafters like maybe some people do. Some of those things are just more cultural than they are um, spiritual, but it's just people's expression and response to the fire of the Holy Spirit that comes into their heart. Uh, I, can, I can go to a Pentecostal church and be okay because uh, I'm not afraid of it, right? I, I'm not afraid of it. I may not, I may not stay there the, my whole life, 
but I, I, I'm not, because I understand that they're on, a, they're on a journey just like I am, right? So I don't want to, because someone doesn't do something culturally that I do, but we're both in our pursuit of Christ, I'm not going to de- deny them the status of being my brother in the Lord because I don't agree maybe with what they do in their culture of how they worship the Lord. Okay, and we, we need to get that if we're going to expand beyond the brotherhood of just this group. Now, it's different when you're dealing with people who do not submit to the authority of the Bible. That's different. But people who do and respond to the, the fire of God in different ways, well, I, I can live with it. I, I can walk around. There's some, there's some I may not go back to. There's some that I may, but I'm not going to label them as something, right? Because they're just on a journey like I am, okay? And we have the same common core beliefs of Jesus. And we have the same common core beliefs of the Holy Spirit, all right? So sometimes, you know, it's okay if the Lord wants to shake us up a little bit too and get us out of our frozen chosen attitude and bring us back into the life of the Spirit. I'm also wanting more of that. I'm not asking you to do something. I'm wanting the Lord to uh, not respect the barriers we've put up to keep him at bay. You see, when David is dancing around and his wife is looking out from the window and says, oh, how dignified the king was dancing in front of everybody. And forgive me, but in this instance, he's like, now listen, woman, right? Because what he's saying is, I'll be even more undignified than this when it comes into my worship before the Lord. So I'm not going to take the, your limitations and place them on myself and how I respond to the Lord, right? Which person are you in that? It's what you got to ask yourself. Because I want to get back to dancing. I do. And it's a little harder now than it used to be because my center of gravity is a little more off than it used to be, right? And so sometimes you're like, hey, you're like getting the thing, you're like, whoa, we're drifting, let's, let's keep our balance. So, you know, you got to take some things slow, and if you have a medical condition, I encourage you to see your doctor before you dance before the Lord. Okay, now, we got all that covered for insurance. Okay, so, as you're doing this, as you're responding to this baptism of fire, it's not really something that you can contain in you. I mean, it's in you, but it's like it's a fire and it's burning. And what we as the church need is we need to have God bring back this zeal back into and this joy back into the congregation, right? We need this zeal, this fire that's burning inside us to say, man, I'll be even more indignified in this as I, as I respond to the goodness and the joy and the mercy of the Lord. And not only that, but his spirit is now in me. His spirit is now on me and in me to go and do greater and awesome things for his glory. And if God is for me, then what? Who can be against me? Now he's no longer a God that's standing up in earth and watching you and saying, well, what are you going to do? He is now the God who dwells within you. That's better in case you were wondering. Which means you don't have to go any farther than your your couch <laughs> to hear the voice of the Lord because it's not, it's not nearly as loud and rich speaking to me as he is inside myself speaking to me. And sometimes we're chasing people down to give us a word, to give what is the Lord telling me because you're not listening from inside here. Because sometimes we're scared of what he might say and that comes down into have I really surrendered? Okay, let's get moving. Long way to go and a short time to get there. 
Okay, so look in, in Matthew chapter 12, he says this, either in 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Which means if, if I've planted apple trees, right? I've got three apple trees, I've got two peach trees, and I've got two plum trees, which, uh, plums, whatever. But, uh, and there's some cherry trees, right? So I'm good with the peaches, I'm good with the apples, the plums, you know, come pick some plums if you want. And then we've got cherries, I'm good with cherries, right? And so I, you know what happens every year on our apple trees? Peaches! No, 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 it's apples! You know, sometimes God's creation knows its identity better than God's children. Because that apple tree does not have an identity crisis. I planted him in the ground. I give him water. He knows who he is. And here's your apples. Take them and leave them. The peach tree does the same thing. The plum tree we planted this year had a little plum on him. Right? The cherries are giving cherries. I, I never have to ask them every spring, hey, what are you going to produce for us this year? It's going to be the same thing, Steve. We're a cherry tree. Oh, that God's people would have that same confidence in the knowledge of who they are. Seriously. Because you got fruit in you, but you don't get to display it if you don't know who you are. I'm an apple tree. No, I'm a peach tree. I don't know what I am. Sometimes my leaves are withering because of the dryness. See, it's the Holy Spirit that brings the water and brings the rain. Okay. <clears throat> so, oh, here I am. Uh, so how can you speak good things when you are evil? For out of the mouth speaks the overflow of the heart. Really, what comes out of your mouth is going to determine where your roots are at. This is why when the Pharisees come, he's like, I'm going to lay an axe to that root. Why? Because it's never going to produce good fruit. So if you've got something in your garden that's not good and not producing, you can't, you can't trim it. Because the issue of that thing goes down to the root, not from the branch. Its roots are bad. It's richer in the flesh. So you can say, so follow me as I say this. You've got a bad habit, and it's producing bad fruit. You don't just trim the fruit off that because the tree is bad. Because sooner or later, although you may not see any fruit, that thing, because you trimmed it, is going to come back with more fruit, bad fruit on it. Because that's the principle. So we call this sin management. So people will say, well, you know, I, I still have this thing inside here, but I'm not doing those things anymore. No, that doesn't work. Because at some point, it's going to produce where the roots lie, which is why you've got to lay the axe to the flesh. Because it's never going to produce good fruit. Oh, it's going to look good. It's going to tell you good things. It's going to be, it's going to be that person who has never had a successful relationship in their life giving you marriage advice. That's what the flesh is. You ever get that? Sit down in the break room. Talking about which never people talk about your marriage problems in the break room, okay? The break room can be one of the most unsanctified places on the earth, so don't bring your treasures into the break room unless you're talking to someone who's a true believer, okay? So don't listen to people who have no understanding of the things of God tell you how you should live. 
because their roots are in bad places. I'm not saying you, you hate those people. You love people, yes, but don't allow the knowledge of the world to affect the spiritual things that God has for you. That's the most dangerous. When I came to the Lord, man, this is why when I came to the Lord, I know God did this for a fact. You know, um, all my friends were gone. My party people. They were. I had a couple good and large groups of people that, you know, it was like cheers, right? Everybody knows your name and into the, the bars you go to or whatever it is, wherever you hang out or even everybody knows your name. And, and you are so well planted and versed in that cycle, it's hard to break because you're drawing something from them that you're not getting anywhere else because you haven't experienced what the Lord can give you. And so this is your group. And even though it's bad stuff, you're in it with them. Right? Cause that's like, because it's, for the human soul, it's better to be attached to bad than to be not attached at all. Because the human soul needs, a, needs the group, needs attachment to something. And so that's why God has given us the church, to, to attach to one another, connection and community. And so for the human being, it is worse to be alone and unattached than to be attached to something that's not life-giving. And so when that day came... Uh, what God did was lay the axe to the root of, of that. Now, he wasn't, hear my heart, he wasn't saying these people are bad, Steve, and they're going to the great right throne judgment, we're going to judge them, you can do it. That's not what God was saying. What God was saying is, Steve, I have a community for you that's going to produce good fruit for you, and I want to place you in that community. He wasn't pushing them off to the side for judgment because they can still come to the Lord. They can be transplanted themselves. We just weren't being transplanted together. And so there had to come a time of separation. And that separation was hard because it felt like I wasn't attached to anything, right? And I got, I'm going to work and I'm not the same person I used to be at work. I had a manager come up to me after I went to Promise Keepers and I came back and said, dude, what happened to you? It's like, well, this is what happened to you. And to that point, it's like, well, man, if that works for you, whatever, you know? But people could tell an absolute difference in me when I've experienced the Lord. And that's for you as well, too. So that when I came to the Lord, my mouth was different. I didn't go and do the same places, things that I used to do all the time, right? And so I began to produce fruits of repentance in my life. And people would notice that. Now, they were asking, what is this? And I would tell them, and they would be like, oh, okay, whatever. But I had to come apart from that and not be planted in that community because I was still a tender shoot. And there were a bunch of big, bad weeds. And the big, bad weeds were going to choke out the rut. They are going to choke out the tender shoot. So God took this tender shoot out and transplanted it into his kingdom, where and into his vine, where it could get the nourishment, the fresh soil, and everything it could do be, so it could be a tree of righteousness that's planted. Okay? For what purpose? That when I'm strong, I can go back. Not planted in with them, but planted in righteousness to go back and bear the voice of the Lord to come. All you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. So he doesn't take me out that place to never evangelize. He takes me out of that place and puts me into a strong place. It may be feel lonely, but that's where I hear and discern the voice of my Lord instead of the voice of this over here. And it was tough. And that was 97. And it probably wasn't until very late 99 to where I finally found a community of people. Now, I came here in 98, and you people were cool. 
but I, I wasn't experiencing community yet. I found a community of people uh, that were like-minded and loving Jesus, and then I found this community here that I got planted into, and you know what happened? Man, my growth was through the roof. Your growth is expanded. It's it, 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 it supernaturally, you know, speed when you're planting in the right place where God wants you to be. It really happens. And so all that was, and so I went from fruits of repentance to now bearing fruit because I've been transported into this kingdom of light. And now the Savior is, the, the Spirit of God is in me, the fire of God is in me, and the growth is exponential in me and through me. That's for all of us. That's for all of us. And so what fruit am I producing in, in this life here? Well, I got saved, so I got fruit of repentance. Yay. But I want to produce the kind of fruit that, the fruit that comes with knowing that I've been in the kingdom for a while and I'm growing up. And now I got some patience. I got some goodness. I got some kindness. Whew. Need that self-control. Right? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Right? So if you, are in, if you are walking in the Spirit, then you should have the fruit of self-control. All these fruits are, are working together. And it's not, like, it's not like, oh, I need to pull out this fruit for this situation. No, it's just, it's just working in you. You're flowing in it. You're walking in it. So that whatever comes down the pike towards you, uh, you, get, you have emotions. And sometimes things happen. And, uh, I feel, but you know what? The, the spirit of you is bigger than the, the soul. Because your spirit is where the Holy Spirit will lie. So you're made in three parts, spirit, soul, body, right? The, the, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, you're made in three parts too, a spirit, soul, and body. This is your body. You have a soul that's made up of your mind, will, and emotions. Your spirit was dead before you came to Christ. And now your spirit is made alive. And now because the spirit is alive, the sanctification part is the spirit is that the, the body feeds off the soul and the soul feeds off the spirit. And if your spirit is alive, then the soul is going to reap the benefits of the life of the spirit, which means that the crankiness that you used to have over here is now being sanctified by the life of the spirit. And now you've gone from cranky to joyful. You've gone from dumb to very intelligent, right? Because the Spirit of God is with your spirit has been resurrected. And you can stop the soul from feeding off of the spirit if you want to. But that just creates a spiritual bipolar type of attitude in your spirit, when your spirit is wanting one thing, but your mind, your will, and emotions are not willing to receive. Listen, don't stop with what the spirit of God wants to do in your mind and your will and emotions because he's sanctifying that. And so guess what? When you got the spirit and the soul going together, they gang up on the body. So you've seen people who've lived in a fence since almost since the day they were born. Maybe you've got pictures in your mind of these people like you go over to Aunt Cranky's house and she's, she's as cranky as she's ever been. There's not a good thing happening in the world. All hell is breaking loose and she's going to tell you about every hellacious thing that happened from hemorrhoid to anything else, right? Because that's what Aunt Cranky does. If there's not something wrong, she's not happy, right? 
and she's offended about everybody. I don't even go to that church anymore because those people, blah, 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 this or blah, 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 that. Or I don't go to church at all because of blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And Aunt Cranky is Aunt Cranky, right? That's just who she is. And she's been there from knee-high to a grasshopper. And all of a sudden, what you begin to find out is you see in her, the, the, in her body the wares of what has been in her spirit and what has been in her soul. Because you cannot disconnect the spirit, soul, and body from what you believe in your spirit. It will bleed out. It will bleed out. Now, you can, let me rephrase that a little bit. You can make a decision in your mind, your will, and emotions of whether you'll submit to what the spirit is saying or whether you won't. And so people, so now Aunt Cranky is now like this. She may have been beautiful when she was young, but offense has destroyed her. Like meth does to the body, offense does the same thing, just maybe take a little longer. So now she's wearing this offense throughout her, and she's no longer the woman she used to be because she never surrendered her mind, her will, and emotions, which go into the body. This is why the Bible talks about things like this. And when you surrender the Lord, right, you know, it will add years to your body. Why? Because you're not carrying all the junk of the flesh in your spirit and your soul that's wearing itself out in your body. Now, I get it. We're all going to get old. You're not going to be in this physical body the rest of your life. So there are some physical things that may happen from time to time. But you got to realize if, if you know who your Savior is and he knows who you are, then you know that this life is not the end. This life is but a fleeting vapor, and then all of a sudden you get to go to glory where you'll have an eternal body, and we all want that to where you'll never suffer anything again. You see this in your break rooms. You see this wherever you go. Uh, people who don't know the Lord or are very young in the Lord or have rejected or have stopped at repentance and never walked into bearing fruit, you see this on their bodies. You see this in how everything starts to work itself out, and it doesn't have to be that way because the good fruit has got some good stuff listen I like McDonald's cheeseburgers you know I like Wendy's cheeseburgers I like uh, Burger King cheeseburgers I like fat boy cheeseburgers you ever been to fat boys very don't go at night but go in the morning or afternoon very good cheeseburger probably the best cheeseburger in Morrison okay I like cheeseburgers I'm not saying that cheeseburgers are good for me all the time. And some cheeseburgers are worse than others. Yeah? You following me? I like, I like, I like um, Chicken George at Candlelight. Oh. Yeah, you dump it in the sauce. Man, I can go through a pound of that like a hot knife through butter. Right? That fried chicken right right there. Now, it doesn't produce really great things in my body. But salads do. Fruits and vegetables do, right? They produce, they give your body exactly what you need to, to survive. All those things they call like vitamins, you know, that do your body good. Whatever. I've never studied it. I, I've heard it once or twice. But anyway, it does your body good, right? Pepsi doesn't, but water does, right, for your body. It's the same, it's the same principle when it comes to the fruit of the spirit and the fruits of the flesh. As a matter of fact, if I'm really plugged in, and I'm submitting to the word of the Lord, I might start having less cheeseburgers in my life and more of the other stuff. Because it's the same principle. And what I surrender to will either produce life or produce death. 
So I have noticed in my body that when I drink too much Pepsi, this is no lie, I feel it in almost every single joint in my body. Isn't that weird? I don't notice that with water. I actually notice the exact opposite. So you see how the physical and, the, and the, the soul and the spirit are all connected, the same principle working throughout. And what I surrender to or where I plant myself is what I'll produce. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.